Hi everyone and welcome to the Parma podcast. I'm James Prescott, your host, um, and I'm delighted to welcome a new guest today. Um, she's um, from just around the corner from me in London. She's an author and a life coach and uh, her name is Felicity Morse. Um, welcome. Hey, nice to be on here, James. Um, yeah, Felicity and I have been communicating for quite a while on, on social media and we met at her book launch last week. She's got a new book out, which I'll let her tell you the name of, because uh, I just want to say, actually, at the start of this episode, uh, disclaimer, there's going to be a, probably a bit of bad language in this episode. Um, so if that's not your, your, your thing, then that's fine. Just don't listen anymore. But, um, you know, um, especially when you hear the name of the book, you <laughs> Um, so that just a little disclaimer there about there might be a little bit of bad language in this episode, but um, it's all in a, all in the all in a good cause. So um, yeah, Felicity, welcome, and, and tell us a bit about your book. Right. So the book's called Give a Fuck, and it's about essentially how to how to care without getting burnt out. Right. So there's like a whole list of different things you can care about from you know just taking care of yourself like what your basic needs might be and that might be um you know food it might be boundaries it might be making sure you get enough touch enough movement to things you can care about in terms of your relationships and how to care about them in a way that allows you to grow and allows your life to get better and then also I think one of the things that the book's a bit different on is it talks about community and wider world so I think the thing is about self-help quite a lot of the time like when you're sorting through some of your own problems or your own confusions and, and getting clear and free from those it's also like how can you offer something back as well so how can you engage with the world mm. yeah that's really important as well I, I, I've talked about that on with other guests the importance of community the importance of engaging physically with the world um, mm -hmm. I, I've said a lot I think I've said quite a few times that we can live without digital interaction, but we can't live without physical interaction as human beings. I think physical interaction is really, really important. Um, and you talk about right. this in the book, actually, a little bit. Um, that's one of the things, I mean, there's a lot of things in this book I want to talk about. Um, and that seems like a good place to start as, as any. But I mean, first, just how did, you, how did the book come about? How, what was your story behind the book? So my story behind the book is like, I care too much, or I have traditionally cared too much, right? And you can get yourself really wound up in that space, I can tell you. Like, so I used mm. to be a journalist in a newsroom, and there's lots of things to care about in the news, lots. And what I found was, because of this tendency to care too much, I ended up almost checking out and not caring at all, you know, mm. being quite numb or like a sort of bystander on what was going on and bystander even in my own life, really, you know, mm. there's a lot, there's like a really, there's a beneficial way to be like an observer, you know, to, to, to have that extra space to kind of observe yourself. But I think I was just observing the whole lot. And, you know, it's almost like I'd sent this numb version of myself to go out into the world to perform and mm. do my life for me because, like, the real me just couldn't handle it. Mm. So what I realised really is that it's not about, you know, it's very beneficial to let go. It's great to let go, you know, and there's a lot of books out there that are like, don't give a fuck and all of that, all of that sort of stuff. And, and, you know, there is benefit in that. But what I found too is like, you can let go, but you actually have to choose what you want to pick back up again. And if like me, you have a tendency at that point to pick up too much or have the way that you're picking things up be and engaging with stuff be almost too forceful to fixated to 
you know, too tight and anxious, then I think you can end up just getting into this vicious cycle again where you have to put it down or, or crash out, you know? So it's not just about like what to care about, it's also how to care about it sustainably, really. Yeah. Yeah, that's really important as well. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned the numbness because I different slightly different context, but I um when my mum passed away Mm-hmm. Um, in 2000 it was I remember being numb for like 10 days 2 weeks um, I was trying to be strong for everybody else and yeah. not letting myself feel anything mm. um, <laughs> because I thought it's my job to be strong for everyone else you know um, and my dad and my mum have been separated for a few years but my dad cried like that day you know he was the one who told me um because I was still close and yeah I didn't cry for two weeks and I remember because music's always a trigger for my emotions so um we were playing the funeral and one of the songs for the funeral and that set me off (laughs) like I couldn't stop it anymore and then and then I apologised. I was like, I'm sorry, I shouldn't be crying, you know. And my sister was like, no, you should be crying. This is a good thing. Like, just do it. It's fine, you know. And um, I don't remember crying much before that, actually, since I've been a child. Like, that's the first time I cried as an adult. Um, wow. I was 23, so it wasn't that big of an adult, you know. Um, but, yeah, I'd always been trying to be strong for everyone, and I just broke down, you know. And, uh, yeah, I, know, I, I remember that vividly, yeah. I remember, I think crying is just the most wonderful thing. And, and mm. for me, I've had a really, really different relationship with crying over the past, over the past, you know, few years. I remember there was for a long time, you know, I, I think I didn't cry for about four years, which is oh. not unusual for a man say because perhaps it's seen as less of a big a less of a socially acceptable thing but I just I just wasn't crying at all and this was you know some really bad things were happening in my life at this time like very traumatic things were happening mm. and I just wasn't crying I wasn't having any arguments either mm. um and then when I first started to do some of this personal development work I did start to cry but I would only be able to cry in groups, you know? I could only cry if someone was there. It was like I didn't feel safe crying on my own. Um, And and now, actually, I know I'm in a healthy place because I can cry on my own. Mm. Not always, you know? There are some times where it's harder to cry than others, and I always think there's that... I'm going to compare it to being sick, but there's (laughs) there's that thing before being sick where it actually feels worse than throwing up and it's a bit like crying that bit where you feel like you're gonna cry feels and you're resisting it feels almost worse than like when it first starts crying that's like the relief then mm, yeah it's such a um yeah I, I i i have no problem crying now like i i cry a lot i cry if it's a movie that uh, that, that moves me that touches on something of my story maybe mm-hmm. like i was watching a movie the other day and there was this scene where his father dies like, mm. and I was just like, you know, because I just felt connected with the character at that moment. I felt connected with that story. And and because it was a film that I remember from my childhood that I love and I still love now. It's not a, it's not a kid's film, um, but it's a, um, if I tell you what film it is, it'll be embarrassing. But um, it was, um, yeah, it was just, it just, because it just connected me with my childhood and it also connected me with my, with my mother. Like, and and uh yeah i just i just cried i was just in tears like um and that's good i can cry on my own now and i cry you know in fact i cry more than maybe I, more than i should <laughs> i don't know but i, I just but i maybe, don't think there's a limit to how much you can cry especially like grief <laughs> it's just endless like yeah, there's yeah. there's um you know and there's if 
I'm a coach, so you try and handle, or handle's not the right word, but you try and feel through things as they come up and allow yourself to move through them, you know, or have them move through you, whichever whichever you, mm. whichever way it feels like at the time. But um, Greece, one of these ones where you're like, okay, well, I think I've got to the end of that. Oh, no. <laughs> Two or three weeks later, it's like, still there, still more to come. Um, yeah, so, that's right. yeah. It's actually having been through grief and now having done a lot of forgiveness and healing and debt counselling and all of that and kind of you never get over losing somebody in a way you just learn to live with the grief and like so every year I kind of allow myself to have a bit of a cry about it you know and like it was my mum's <laughs> birthday like last weekend you know and um, so I had a bit of a moment yeah I always make sure I have a moment you know with her um and also just to honor the way that you feel right yeah exactly like listen to your feelings you know Mm -hmm. um yeah I need to be careful because I'll start crying now if I'm not careful (laughs) (laughs) um yeah because yeah I'm I'm not a I'm not your typical kind of macho guy you know I'm like I said, I'm highly sensitive. People who listen to this show know I'm highly sensitive. Um, actually, let's talk about that now. Um, because one of the things you talk about in the book is sensitivity being a superpower, which I love. Right. Because I'm, I love I love comic book movies. I love, you know, Superman's my favourite movie, one of my favourite movies. Like, that's the movie I saw the other day. Um, yeah. The original one from the 1970s, not the newer ones. Um, which is quite, it's quite an emotional film, actually. Um um but um anyway yes so what was i saying super, super sensitivity is a superpower um right so just kind of expand on what you mean by that yeah i was just thinking you know for a long time i felt like the woman with no skin you know <laughs> everything affected me it was just so like i was just i had so many emotions and i think that was possibly because i kept them tapped down for such a long time that they came up and they came up loudly and they were like okay we're not going to be ignored this time <laughs> time for you to pay attention to us Misty. um so yeah and then well, the reason that I think it's a superpower, right, is, is one, because, um, I mean, I blame Descartes, right? <laughs> I think, therefore I am. So everybody thinks that it's all about rationality. But actually, like, um, our feelings are amazing at telling us things. Mm-hmm. They're, they're information. And... You know, sometimes you have to get really good at, like, interpreting that information. Mm. Right? So they, they definitely tell you something's up. That they, they, you know, they're like the canary in the coal mine, right? Mm. Um, they tell you something's up. And then it's like, can you listen to find out what it is? Because it's not always clear straight away what needs to happen, what needs to change, what even's going on. Like, if it's you, if it's somebody else, like, all of that stuff. Mm. So it takes, like, and they're uncomfortable. Not all the time, but a lot of the men are are uncomfortable. Mm. And we can get them confused. So it can be, like, well, is it excitement or is it anxiety? Is it nerves? Or am I just really looking forward to this? So it can be really hard. So this is this is the first thing, like, um, anybody who's got an intense amount of sensitivity has to develop certain skills around it mm. as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a, it's a high-level practice. It's a high-level <laughs> practice feeling, that's for mm. sure. Yeah. Um, mm. But what I think it the reason I think that it's such a powerful thing to be able to do if you get it right. And for a while it looks messy and it looks messy for everyone. Mm. Right. And it will continue to look messy sometimes. Like that's just the nature of the beast, you know, um, they, it doesn't look clean, but the one thing I will say is that it allows for 
intimacy. It allows for connection. It allows for empathy. And one of the things that humans are so amazing at is, I mean, that has made them so successful as a species is, is their ability to relate to each other. And emotions allow us to do that. Because a lot of the time, like, you know, we might be having completely different experiences and we all have very differing experiences all of the time, but we can find an emotional core that we relate to, you know? Mm. And that allows us to mm. empathize with somebody else and it yeah. builds that bridge between one person to another. Yeah, absolutely. And that's just like a wonderful thing to be able to do. So that's the first reason I think that like sensitivity is such a superpower. The other thing is that it doesn't play by the rules. Mm. Yeah. That's the other reason I think it's a superpower. I love that. <laughs> Yeah. You know, so it shows up and lets you know what's going on, no matter what society says you should do, no matter what your boss, what your family says you should do, yeah. no matter what, like, your mind says you should do, it shows up and says, this is how I'm feeling. Um, yeah, <laughs> then you're you like, have a okay, choice. then. <laughs> yeah, you don't have a choice. This is what's happening. <laughs> this is what's happening internally for you. And then, like, again, like, I think people get a bit confused here. Like, it's not facts. It's not like if you feel bad, it's not the, it's not the, you know, a person is bad or any of those things. Like, you still have to... You still have to decode it, right? Yeah. And even after you decode it, you might have to take a separate decision on it as well. But it shows up and it shows up fast, you know? Mm. Yeah. Way more, way quicker than our minds. Yeah, that's right. And you have to learn to listen to it. I mean, I, I've done a lot of um, thera therapy, counselling, mindset mm -hmm. coaching, spiritual direction. And I've learned to kind of detach myself from my feelings or at least observe them um right. so i can observe if i'm feeling angry i can like i can actually notice it like you know something's like t like today at work was really stressful i was kind of a meeting went on and on and on and i was getting really worked up and i noticed it in myself you know which means i don't have to let it control my actions um but i can acknowledge that i'm feeling it and it's the same with any other kind of emotion, you know, that I've, I've learned to do that with, with my emotions. And it means that if I'm like, if I want to cry, I can allow myself to cry without mm -hmm. it, like, bringing me into this kind of depressive mood. Um, it doesn't always work. Um, but, <laughs> but I've got a lot better at it, you know, like, and I think that's a really, <coughs> that's a really good thing. And like, I'm, I don't know if you've heard of the Enneagram, it's an amazing thing. You should. Oh, you would love it. It's this. It's this like sacred kind of thing. It's like this really ancient way of like figuring out our personalities. And there's different mm. types, different numbers, mm. um, like one to nine. And you have a you're like one number, and you have a, what's called a wing, which is like a secondary secondary mm. personality, which is like so. I'm like a four with a five wing. And you can only be a wing of the number either side of you, kind of thing. So, and and it's you read read some stuff on it. I read this book about it, and it was like it was telling me about myself, even the littlest things, like the little habits, the little things that you wouldn't tell anybody. It just kind of just check it. There's a great website. I'll tell you about it later. Um, wow. Um, but it's um, but like because people with people of my type, we can often mistake emotions for facts. Right. And so I have to be aware of that in myself. So I have to kind of somehow decipher and detach my emotions from what's really going on, but also acknowledge what my emotions are, if that makes sense, and allow myself right. to feel them, because that's really, really important. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I totally relate to that. I mean, and I totally, I still have the ones that are a bit involuntary, you know, where mm. I just have the physical reaction. And I'm like... Even in that involuntary state now, I can be like, oh, wow, okay, I'm having a totally involuntary state. I'm not even going to try and get my mind involved until my body's just got rid of this, you know? Mm. Like, I'll, I'll feel immediately anxious or immediately panicky. And it's like, okay, 
I'm not even going to try to actually handle the situation until the body goes down because the mind's got no chance here. Um, yeah. So, and then the other, yeah, <laughs> it's like, dear God, give me five seconds in between feeling and acting, you know, like just give me five seconds. Like that would be really helpful. <laughs> um, yep. And there's, a, there's, there's a, there's, you can start to have fun with it. Like I have fun with it a little bit with my partner and, and I'm like, Oh wow. Some anger just showed up there quite a lot. I wonder what that was about. (laughs) (laughs) Someone very ferocious just showed up inside me just then. (laughs) Maybe I try and figure that one out later. (laughs) Um, It's good if you can laugh at yourself, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you have to. (laughs) You have to, really, because, like, this stuff just shows up all the time. And um, this week as well, I don't know, for the last few weeks, um, I've just been feeling, like, so raw. Like, it's like, how are you today? It's like, I feel like sashimi again. (laughs) I'm having an emotional day again. Oh, just give me one day where I can do some logistics, you know? (laughs) Like, I need to plan my schedule. (laughs) Um, that's what launching a so, book yeah. does for you <laughs> <laughs> I know oh, right yeah. and I remember talking to my coach right at the beginning of the summer and saying oh you know I really want to like cry more I think I, you know I want to do some work and like I just can't cry and um, yeah well that, <laughs> that that wish was granted <laughs> so yeah cool yeah sensitivity is um, it's a good thing it, yeah it's a good thing it's a wonderful thing and 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 once you know you have it and it shows up you know this is the place I got to I was like right well I have this thing I have this thing I think it's very useful like it makes me feel alive I know I can you know feel more than this narrow bandwidth that maybe some people Mm. feel but um I sure as hell can't be in an easy room anymore because it's it's painful as hell Hmm. so I'm like well okay so I have this superpower maybe I should use it well like how can I use it well um it's like with it's like with kind of any gift you have right it's like how can you how can you how can you put it to the best use so and that's kind of when I started coaching and and writing more on this sort of stuff rather than politics Hmm. and, and news really yeah yeah, politics. Oh my gosh! Like, you know, I, I'm actually really interested in politics because I have a politics degree, and you know, I've always mm-hmm. been interested in politics. But right now, I can't, I can't even deal with it. I don't even talk about it on social media because it just gets me too wound up, and I can't, I don't want to be in that place. So uh, I try and avoid right. it now, you know. And yeah, I'm not, you know. It's, it's an interesting more. one. I'll definitely, I'll definitely go back to it. I'll definitely go back to it. I mean, I would love to be able to insert some of this stuff into politics. Mm. I actually think some of the chaos that we've got right now is because a lot of people are starting to develop feelings. You know, it's just it looks really messy when everybody just starts. Because everybody's got this five-year-old starts driving the car, you know, because that's the last time they worked with feelings. Um, yes, so many people haven't done that in a work that you need to, that everyone needs to do. You know, um, I feel really yeah. grateful that I got to do it. Actually, that I've got to do it and that I'm doing it. And it's like, yeah, because it kind but, of wakes you up, you know. Yeah, there's um, there's a, uh, there's. Uh, belief in Celtic folk folklore that you pick before you come into this world you pick all the struggles that you're going to have so wow. because you know you're going to be able to overcome them um, wow <laughs> so yeah I must have been brave when I was picking mine <laughs> um, no courage without fear James no courage without fear that's true <laughs> absolutely yes it takes Fear to be courageous, if that makes yeah, it does yeah. Because if you, mm-hmm. if, you, if you if you don't need to be courageous, you're not afraid in the first place. Yeah. Right, like you're not what are you overcoming? Absolutely nothing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's why sensitive people are super strong. Yes, we are. 
just just not all the time like no. give us some days off we have our talk tonight <laughs> yeah um <laughs> um uh now there's a couple of other things really i wanted to get onto like about this book i mean but there's so many subjects in this book you know by the way everyone go and buy this book it's brilliant yeah um, it's a really good introduction to like just so some good. things which took me like two years to learn you know and it's super practical as well um some really great practical things to do in there some exercises and stuff which yeah mm-hmm. i want to recommend so just a little interlude there um but there's two things the two things first i want to talk about victimhood um, okay yeah this was like a this was a big thing for me because it was I I never understood it in this way before, and because I knew what you were talking about, but I never understand it in this language, you know, and um, like victimhood and getting on our high horses about things, and, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my god, I do this all the time, <laughs> especially oh about my god. especially Me about too. especially about things that I think that I know about, you know, when it's like politics. So I've got a degree, so I think I know everything about politics, so I can get on my oh, high yeah, horse. And I'm right you're all wrong and stupid like <laughs> or whatever so just talk about that a little bit victimhood okay so <clears throat> so victimhood is this uh should i talk about i'm just trying to work out whether to talk about high horseness or victimhood first but um so i think yeah so being on a high horse right this is a way of being a victim a very funny looking victim right Mm. so you get on your high horse and you're like I can do absolutely nothing I'm completely right the world is completely wrong I'm just going to ride off into the sunset being amazing having all this stuff happen to me that I can do nothing about because I'm so powerless Mm. but I'm also amazing and powerful it's a really powerful way of feeling powerless it's a powerful way of stating that you can do absolutely nothing Right. Um, I know it showed up the most for me when I was being managed and I would just carp on about like how, you know, my boss was terrible, the company was terrible, you know, X, Y and Z was terrible and I was brilliant and this is what needed to be done about it but no I wasn't going to do anything about it and actually there couldn't be anything done about it and actually just everyone was wrong right Hmm. and and I had all the solutions of course but you know not the power to affect the solutions and nobody would listen to me and all that sort of stuff Hmm. um and it's like okay well what are you doing about this Felicity like absolutely nothing absolutely nothing Mm. so either you don't have enough information or you're ignoring all the things that you could do Mm. and you're just choosing to like spread negativity everywhere (laughs) so yeah good one and feel important at the same time (laughs) so yeah good one Morse good one (laughs) (laughs) and I think um I have to watch myself when I get on my high horse, right? Because uh, it just feels so good up there. It just feels so good to it be does. right about everything and yet needing to do nothing about it. It's like, I can be right. I never have to take any uncomfortable action. I can just feel right. Because <laughs> um, everyone likes to feel right. <laughs> I can they? feel right and do nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I can show off about how... I can not only feel right, I can tell people I'm right as well. So I can look good. Feel right, look good, do nothing. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. The world doesn't need... The world does not need that. And also, like, neither do I. Like, neither do I. What do I get out of that, really, for myself? Well, I get to tell myself that I can't do anything about a given situation. Mm. And I just keep getting stuck, you know going round and round on my high horse and like ever decreasing circles and probably irritating the people around me unless they're on their high horse too um yeah it's, yeah it's like those bosses that you that that, that you see sometimes and you, these are stereotypes in movies a lot but 
who are all confident and bold and like decisive and like they know everything or they act like they know everything so that everyone thinks mm-hmm. they do but then in, they go into the office and in private they're just like I haven't got a clue what I'm doing mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, know. I don't know what I'm going to do um, <laughs> like um, you know like my life's falling apart like I don't you know that kind of thing and you know so often that happens you know I think I think the thing about being on your high horse is that it's so easy to to fall off you know it's quite it's it's so easy to fall off because you're already really in victimhood right it Mm. doesn't feel like it but you are Mm. because you're blaming everything else and, and telling yourself you can do nothing so you're already, and like you've been wronged in some ways, you're already in kind of victimhood mentality. And, 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 and this is the thing, right? I think there's nothing wrong with being in like a victimhood mentality. Like we all go there. And like sometimes like it's just part of the process. Like mm. sometimes it's just part, feeling powerless is just part of the process and that's okay. Like, when they, like we all go in, into, into that mindset sometimes. And like, Often we, you know, some people, we, I I mean, I'm just going to say all of us have been a victim at one time or another, you know, of something. Mm. And it can be difficult to leave that experience behind in our heads and realise that we don't have to stay there. So I know there are some coaches that, for example, get really you know, you mustn't be a victim, you mustn't be a victim. Well, sometimes we feel like victims and that's okay, you know? Mm. It's part of the process. It's not great to be stuck there because it doesn't feel good and it doesn't allow you to, like, take decisions. But if that's where you're at, that's where you're at. Yeah. It's like acknowledging your feelings again, isn't it? Like, at the moment I feel like a victim. You know, I feel like the whole world is against me and... Or I feel like I'm right and nobody understands. And mm-hmm. I can't say anything. Because, like, if I do, then I'm going to lose my friends or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to lose respect from people or whatever, you know. Um, sometimes that's how you feel and that's... I felt like that. Because I've had this growth, like, these, these groups, like, that I used to be part of. Um... I've kind of moved on from them. Mm-hmm. There are these two different binary groups, and I've gone through both of them. And like in in that kind of in that kind of community, there are like these two groups, <laughs> and I've kind of moved on from both of them now. And mm-hmm. I'm at that I'm at the mo- I'm at the point where I'm kind of disillusioned with both of them. But I'm yeah. trying to see the good in both of them as well. Like, and so it's, it's, it's so right now I'm in that kind of, I'm, you know what this is. They, this, these, this, this being this part of this has hurt me, but there's also good things. Um, and just trying to acknowledge that, yeah, okay, I've been hurt. I feel like a bit of a victim right now. I feel like I'm in the right and they're wrong, but I, that can pass, you know. And again, it's kind of yeah. separating yourself out from the feelings and actually acknowledging what they are and what they're not I think does that make sense yeah it does <clears throat> I think the I think the other thing is like you know staying present with where you're actually are at now mm. because sometimes you can start replaying a scenario in your head that you were a victim of right or you were a victim and you can start living that reality mm. and so we don't actually have to live that like, you have as much of a right to be here and to have your opinions and have your experience and have different preferences as everybody else. Um, it's just, like, maybe your internal critic or whatever is just made, like, like you know, you start fighting ghosts and the ghost is, like, our own nasty voice in our head telling us that, you know we're not allowed to have preferences even when the other person's not actually saying anything sometimes mm. too but yeah like I, I'm not here to shame anyone who's like even 
And I'm not even talking about victims. I'm like talking about being in a victim mentality, which is a bit different. Mm. Um, where, where it's a mentality sounds a bit like, why me? Why does it always happen to me? Everything is terrible. There's nothing good in my life. You know, we feel like that sometimes. Yeah, we do. It's, <laughs> we, do. we feel like that sometimes. We do. And yeah. it's not a great place to stay. So try not to stay there. But if if that's if that's what's happening, that's what's happening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I usually set a timer for myself if I want to go there. Though. That's a good idea. <laughs> that's a really good idea. I like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I I was thinking about like um, you know I start I start getting a playlist on you know it's like why me life's not fair why does nobody else have this um, <laughs> this is happening again everything is hopeless yeah all of those all those tracks playing all the time <laughs> brilliant and and I'll and I'll let it and I'll let it happen you know if it, if it wants to be like that if it wants to be like that but I just don't want to act based on that yeah that's key, is. isn't it not acting not always acting on your feelings like yeah um you know if it's something like crying or grieving or whatever you can feel those emotions it's okay but if it's something like this which is kind of a negative unhealthy expression of emotion then maybe well it's just it, not true it, but just that's yeah. that's the thing yeah you it's know. just not true like we're human beings and we're all the same we're no better or worse than anybody else Mm. so the idea that you can be that you are permanently labeled in this world as a victim is just not the case like maybe society might or whatever but like on a on a a fairly factual basis like Mm. Yeah, interesting. Now, there's two other things. Um, I think I said two other things last time. It really is two other things this time. (laughs) Um, The first thing, and we touched on this earlier, is physical touch. Right. You talk about the importance of physical touch. And I didn't, I mean, one of my love languages is is physical touch. And I didn't realise that this was something like that everyone needed and that, that we should all be trying to have, you know. And it's so obvious when you read it. And when I read it in the book, it was like, well, yeah, obviously we all need it. But I hadn't thought about it like that before. Um, mm-hmm. And I really, you know, I, don't, I'm, I live on my own. I'm, I don't have a partner right now. Um, and um, my family, you know, they live quite close by, but I don't see them all the time. And mm-hmm. I'm a guy. So... Um, you know, and I think I was talking to you about this last week when we, when I met at your book launch, that, you know, that it's difficult sure. to get, for guys to get physical touch. And, um, right, and you're not the first man to, it's men who really point this part of the book out to me as well, like, you're not the first man to be like, oh, wow, okay, hmm. I'm allowed to want this. Like, yeah. this I, is hard. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, and you talk in the book about how it was either in the book or was it last week at this launch thing that I, mm. when I saw Felicity that like you you got a hug from somebody and mm. a headache went away. Yeah. I remember this story. Like, yeah. Just tell us a bit about this and tell us a bit about the, the physical touch and why it's important. So I was very good at keeping people away in my life. Like, mm. you know... I, I talk about boundaries, but I just had some big barriers. And so I wasn't really very touchy-feely. I was basically just an energetic F-off to pretty much anyone <laughs> going my way. Um, it was just all about safety, to be honest. But, yeah, I remember, you know, I went, I went away to school and I didn't really know anyone very well. And... Mm. I remember I did some volunteering to help these adults with learning disabilities and somebody kind of who had difficulty with their like uh, motor senses or whatever, like 
touched me kind of by mistake. And I was like, oh, God, that's the first time I've been touched for like four weeks. Oh, God. And you suddenly realise how isolated you can feel, like even if when you're living, Mm. even when you're living, you know, surrounded by other people. Um, And then... I remember also I was talking with uh, this guy friend and he was like, can I give you a hug? And I was like, sure. And then I just like, we had this hug and it was really nice. And I just like felt all this tension like go away in my Mm. body and just like be like, ah, okay. My body really wanted that. And I just don't realise it till I get out and I still have it with my partner now. I've not seen each other for a few days. I'm like, oh my God, I really needed this. Um, And it's a nightmare. (laughs) It's a nightmare if you can't get it, you know? And and I don't know if it's that, like, once you realise it, like, you really need it. Um, But it certainly, it certainly is important to me. Mm. Um... And I have such empathy with, especially men, where it's it's not really, it's not really a thing, you know, to to touch, mm. um, unless you're playing kind of contact sport or mm. yeah, you're in a you're yeah. in more of like a I don't know a liberal setting. I don't know whatever. <laughs> yeah, but there's the other thing as well. Being a guy is, you know, like even with women who aren't your partner. Mm. you kind of think well I don't want to I don't want to give somebody a hug because I don't want to be inappropriate I don't want to look like I'm making them forcing them to have a hug with me I don't want to I don't want them to feel like uncomfortable you know um, like so I okay, well, so, I, so, I so, mean, so even with a woman you can't as a guy I, I don't feel like I can it's with somebody I know and I trust and, you know, it's different. Um, mm-hmm. But generally, it's difficult to initiate that with even a woman. Um, even a woman? I know, for sure. Sorry, that like, sounded really bad. <laughs> no, 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 I was, I was, I was, uh, I was kind of, I was, I was joking. But, like, it is, definitely. I mean, maybe even more so a woman, right? Mm. Because, um mm. It's it's terrible, really. Like the the sexes and the genders have been have been conditioned to be like totally afraid of each other, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. and it's terrible that you know women don't feel suitably empowered to say no, which means that men don't feel suitably empowered to ask, <laughs> mm. which is awful, right? Because yeah, um, I, I love mean, I love hugging people and I love being given hugs. You know, it's, mm. um, yeah. well, I I say like you know always ask. You can always ask. I mean, you might have to take. You can't avoid making someone feel uncomfortable. Like that's that's the nature of that, mm. really. But there's a way of asking where mm. you know where you can make sure that no is always an acceptable answer and yeah and that you have boundaries and it's not about being sexual, you know? Mm. That's right. It doesn't have to be about being sexual at all. Yeah, absolutely. It really doesn't. It really isn't at all. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And actually, it gets really complicated if every time you need, if every time you want physical touch, you uh, you have to be sexual. Then things get messy. Yeah, I mean, because like, all it. you I mean, wanted like, was just a hug. That's it. I mean, that's like that's, that's it for me. Because like, a lot of uh, because of because of this issue, like a lot of the phys- the only a lot of the physical touch that I had with women was was when I was in a relationship, and mm. that was the only time and the only person. You know, um, that I could, that I would have any physical kind of interaction with. You know, and so when I wasn't in a relationship, then I was kind of like, well, I don't have any outlet for this. You know. And, yeah. Um, and I remember last week at the, the launch, you gave me this big hug, and I was, I, oh, it just felt so 
feel so nice. Ox- oh, great. Oxytocin is yeah. great. Big fan. Big yeah. fan. Has to happen. Mm. I mean, even my mum doesn't like as long. Um, even my mum finds my hugs a bit uncomfortably long, I think. I love long hugs. <laughs> I love long hugs because you can... Long hugs, you can actually just start releasing your emotions. And just start, yeah. you start to feel... The longer... If it's a long hug, you start to feel safe and mm. you can just let let your guard down in a way and let emotions come out a little bit and yeah. um, I remember the only time I've seen my dad get really emotional apart from when my mum passed away was um, he was going for an operation it was like brain surgery and mm-hmm. um, he, was just, he was just about to go under and we gave, both gave him a hug and I remember I hugged him and he literally he held, I felt him hold on to me really tightly like really tightly like just extra tightly and I could hear him like sniffling a little bit and stuff he just and like I, I almost cried at that moment because I thought he he just wants to feel like he's loved right now and he's yeah. just being vulnerable and like because he's not often vulnerable because he's like old school you know right. and he's like don't express your emotions you're a man you know like but he's actually He's actually quite sensitive. He never lets on. <laughs> he never lets on, but he is. I, I know he is, and um, he's quite an emotional guy. And uh, he just doesn't let on very often. And so that mm. was, yeah, that was quite a, yeah, I, that was quite a intimate moment. Um, and it's mm. just so important to do that to be able to let that out, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, it really is. It really is, and, and touch sometimes will cross bridges that Mm. words can't always do i agree yeah Um, absolutely agree with that yeah it's much more of like you know talk about international languages like and maybe not in all cultures but there's something that touch can do that communicates Mm. you know togetherness or feeling very effectively Mm. yeah and that brings us to the last thing that I wanted to talk about in regards to the book was um, boundaries right Um, because this was probably the most challenging chapter for me (laughs) me too it Um, kept getting sent back to me while we were doing the edits (laughs) (laughs) really (laughs) yeah Um, um, it was it was it was just so challenging the whole like how we need to set boundaries and but how we sometimes yeah. don't set boundaries or how we have bad boundaries and yeah everything to do with that just like in all kinds of relationships and with ourselves you know boundaries um let's talk to us a bit about what you what you say about boundaries in the book Okay, so my understanding of boundaries is like what you want to say yes to, what you want to say no to, what you need to feel safe and to continue being connected and playing the game, basically. If boundaries on a pitch, like a sports pitch, show you, you know, what everybody's agreed Mm. to play so that everybody knows where the lines are. Yeah. And not to cross the lines, and if they, if you cross the lines, there's a penalty, mm. and all that sort of stuff, right? Mm. That's the least heavy way I can think of for explaining boundaries. Mm. Um, now the nightmare is, is that <laughs> not everybody's playing on the same pitch. Yeah, that's the <laughs> People have different boundaries the whole time. People have different boundaries with different people. They have different boundaries over time. They don't know their own boundaries. It's like um, sometimes boundaries are like those you know, high-tech alarms that you see in spy films with lasers. (laughs) (laughs) And you don't know anybody's crossing of your boundaries until they walk over it and then like your feelings go off. Yes. <laughs> and um, you're like, yes. okay, that wasn't cool. <laughs> like, that's not what I consider cool. And that other person was like, well, you didn't tell me there was a line there. And it's like, oh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't even know there was a line there until you crossed it. Hmm. Or doesn't everybody have a line there? 
And they're like, no, not everybody has a line there. Yeah. But I thought that's why everybody had a line. No, some people have different lines. That's right, absolutely. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, as a sensitive person, a highly sensitive person, this, this is a, this is a thing for me, like, <laughs> because my boundary of getting upset or getting feeling violated, like, right. um, is higher. So even like it could be, I could be at a party, and somebody's making a, like a joke of whatever. It might be about me, and I, I in my head, I'll be like, "That's really funny. I think that's really funny. That's really great. That like I, I totally get it. I'm not offended by it. Um, you know, I, you know, but there's something inside of me which is like feeling violated at that moment, like re- which is feeling really upset and like I. I don't know what to do with this. I don't like this. I want to go out in the room and be on my own because I don't want to tell you what I'm really feeling right now. You know, and it's like this conflict. You're like we were talking about the being aware of your emotions, yeah. and when you're highly sensitive, it's like that. That's what it's that. That's what it can be like. Like you're kind of. I know this isn't. I know this isn't offensive. I know this is funny. I know this is totally fine, but. I don't, that's not how I'm feeling. Like, and I need to go and acknowledge, like, how I'm feeling. So, like, and when I was, when I was younger and I wasn't aware of this, like, I just thought I was, like, like, too sensitive and people like, oh, you're a drama queen or you, like, stop getting so worked up and taking things so seriously. And it's like, actually what it is, it's, it's not that you don't take, it's not that you haven't got a sense of humour, it's just that your emotional boundary for getting hurt by those kind of things is slightly higher than other people you know well like, you know what i do in those kind of situations where it's like i'd really like to be able to laugh at this or i'd really like to be able to handle this but right now i can't mm. or right now it's not right now i'm working on this but right now you know and it's no reflection on you it's just right now like this is, just feels bad for me it's like just telling someone and you know what like they have boundaries too so they can say like yes or no Mm. and it's a risk I mean that's vulnerable right you ask somebody Mm. you say like okay when you do this it hurts my feelings I'm not saying you intend to hurt my feelings I'm not saying that Mm. I want to have my feelings hurt I'm not saying that this is wrong or right I'm just saying this is what happens to me right now Mm. please may you not do it yeah and they might say yes, they might say no, they might continue and say like, well, that's an unreasonable request. Yeah, I've got to, you know? yeah, I've got to the point where though I just kind of, I don't even do that anymore. I just do this kind of fake laugh, like, and and then just go out of the room for a bit, um, like because See, because I because I get such because. I get such, and you can tell how I'm feeling about this, because <laughs> I get such negative feedback when I do this, and it's like, oh, stop being a drama queen, stop taking things so seriously, stop making it all about yourself, you know, and it's like, that's not what I'm doing, that's not what's going on, you just don't get it, you know, and people just don't, there's so much ignorance around, like, being highly sensitive, and how it actually works, and it's it's not you, it's not, like, it's not a conscious thing. It's not a decision. It's not like, I know, I'm going to get offended by everything and make myself the centre of attention because and be a drama queen. Like You don't sit at home deciding to do that. It's just something in you get violated is the right word. It's like crossing a boundary that, like, um, which you kind of have and you don't give, and other people don't get, get to go across it. And like over the years, I've kind of become more resilient. So that boundary is, got a bit higher so now I can take more than I used to be able to take before that's violated but it's still there and um, I mean the other thing the other thing I would say is like I would just walk away from those people right like mm. there's a boundary you can put your space and put some space between you because you don't have to listen to it yeah most of them most of them aren't in my life anymore actually now so yeah know. that's great so there's your boundary you're actually <laughs> great at putting up boundaries you're like fine I tried to state my boundary and you didn't listen to it so hey I'll just I'll put up another boundary and I'll (laughs) I'll spend time with people who like respect this because I can do that and that's my right too Mm, absolutely yeah there's a great example everyone of 
setting healthy boundaries. Yeah. Um, um, and then, of course, there's the thing. But then they changed. You know, like, I had this horrible situation in the summer where, like, for some reason, all my boundaries constricted. Oh, my God, they all got smaller. And I was like, this is terrible. Yeah. I can't do any of the things that I thought I could do. Um, <laughs> like, I used to be fine with this, and now I'm not fine with it. And that's okay as well. Like, they just, you know, they get bigger, they get smaller. They, mm. You can play with them. It's not the end of the world if someone crosses a boundary. Yeah. Unless there's a law around it. That's right. I mean, I notice <laughs> that when, I'm, when I've been really vulnerable, like, or when I'm feeling vulnerable... I'm way more hypersensitive than I normally am. Mm-hmm. Like it takes like the littlest thing to trigger my insecurities when I'm when I'm already down or I'm already feeling vulnerable. Yeah, and I, I notice that. And social media is a big like going on social media is a big trigger because I get people boasting about like oh I got six thousand followers, you know, or I got like yeah whatever um, anything that triggers me, you know. Um, it could be anything. There's lots of things that are triggers for me, but um, when I'm hyper, when I'm that kind of level of sensitive, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, so I just have to kind of leave social media at those, that point and just say, I'm not going there till I'm my antenna, my my social, my my kind of sensitive antenna. I've kind of withdrawn a little bit, and I can, and I'm not yeah, quite I, as sensitive as I as. As I was feeling then, you know. I, I, call, I call that like uh, being in recovery or being on a come down. Yeah. Sometimes I get like that when I'm on a come down from like a peak experience, like everything just feels like a lot. Um, and at those times I just try and be like dog, you know, so <laughs> like a dog. Um, so I just like do emojis with friends. Like I just do silly emojis. I just watch silly movies. Mm. I just do all the body stuff, like none of the head stuff. Like I don't try and engage with anything because I'm like on a come down and like my head is not in a good space. Like it will try and seize onto negative stuff, right? Because I'm trying to come down. So obviously like my thoughts will try and like bring me down as quickly as possible. And it's like, okay, well let my body come down, but I'll maybe try and make this it's come down comfortable this time. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah. What, that's what I do. Yeah, um, and, um, that's what Netflix is for. <laughs> it is. It's great for that. It's great for that. Emojis, I'm, I'm all for, like, using the whole range of emojis on a come down. Just, like, you know yeah. where you just, like, have that connection with someone? Yeah, But yeah, it's yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. It's not serious. And it's like, I'm here and I'm wearing a cowboy hat. But, um... Yeah, and, and GIFs. <laughs> GIFs. I love GIFs. Yeah. GIFs were made for therapy. I swear. Like, I've had whole conversations in GIFs. You know, mm. I have this one friend who's like um, a really close friend, and we talk on social media a lot. And like, we often talk in Top Gun GIFs. Amazing. <laughs> like, it's really weird. Like, we just have this kind of like, and it's a woman as well. Like, it's not like it's another guy. You know, it's just but. I don't know, as we got to know each other, this kind of thing came up where we just talked, I don't know, something came up which was related to that movie and we just started using Top Gun. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it's just like, it's just good fun. You know, I, I, I use GIFs on Twitter a lot because I love them. Yeah. They're so much fun. Um, yeah. yeah, that's the, that's the, that's the thing to do. Like sometimes, you know, different people for different kinds, kind of mood. Mm. like don't go and see the two things like don't go and see the person who you know is like they're, they're just as good a friend but their style is just gonna it's not gonna mix with you mm. <laughs> on in certain moods and so that one and then like ask for what you want from the person who's most able to give it I always think I think quite a lot of the time um we uh you know, we go to the person who we're closest to for the thing that we want, and it's like they're not the best person for our problem. Mm. It's the same same point, just like expressed a slightly different way. You know, if I know like a relative is really bad at providing this one thing, no matter how close I am, I need to go for the person who's really good at it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Like. Yeah. and you know if I need like sisterhood and like female friendship like 
and that particular nutrient, then I didn't know I shouldn't try and get it from my partner because it won't work. Mm. Yeah, guys aren't very good at sisterhood. <laughs> no, guess what? And it's what? really unfair to try and make them that way. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Oh, this has been so good. I feel like we could talk for hours about this. Um, yeah. Um, um, maybe we maybe we'll have you back on the show one day. That'd be awesome. Great. Um, I mean, what? So just to finish, like, what? If there's one thing that people you'd like people to take away from the book, what what would that be? Don't give up engaging with the world. Um, there is a way to do it that feels good and is sustainable and allows you to learn about yourself in a way that feels good. Mm, very good. Love that. Yeah. Yeah, just don't give up caring. Don't give up caring. Yeah. Don't give up caring about yourself. Don't give up caring about yourself. Care about yourself so that you can care about others mm. so that you can care about like the community so that you can care about the world. Mm. Like fundamentally, that's how it works, and 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 you know we're all learning, we're all in so, recovery from something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's very true. Um, so, give a fuck. It's out now. It Any is. Books, it's a- anywhere you can get books, you can get it. Um, you should be able to. That's right. It's awesome. The audio book's good. I've got the audio book as well. Um, and you can listen to Felicity speaking the book to you. Um, and uh, yeah, and Felicity's on social media at Felicity Morse, I think it is, on Twitter. That's right. And um, yeah, so go check that out. So um, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, it's been great. Thanks, Felicity. Um, thanks for having me. Um, and yeah, um, we'll talk soon, everyone. <laughs>